the JSA Clicks Podcast, the show where we discuss high-level competitive, casual, and everything in between. Your host is Jay Solomon, and now, on to the show. Hey everyone, this is the JSA Clicks Podcast. Episode, the one where we're talking about Ontario Provincials and uh, the fact that Jackson has been winning a lot. Um, we discussed the competitive hero clicks environment as well as alternate formats that are currently relevant. I'm your host, Devin Owens. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jay, as always. Hi. And Mike White is joining us. Hello. Fresh off winning Ontario Provincials. I haven't been fresh off of anything in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Mike and I played Ontario Provincials, and Jay judged it. Um, we uh, had how many players turn out? Twelve, I think, which was honestly yeah. like not terrible for our recent HeroClix event, which is a little bit sad, but uh, it was pretty good. We got enough that the store was happy and stuff, so we're pretty happy with the turnout and everything. Um, we got some new players out, um, including one that we had literally met and had played uh, his first games of competitive hero clicks with us the week before <laughs> yeah. off of a random Facebook post, which was awesome. And uh, Chris Osario, who moved up here from Mexico, um, who had played a bunch of competitive hero clicks before he moved, uh, who was fantastic to have around as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll be talking about Chris a fair amount, so uh, <laughs> since both Mike and I played him. Um, so let's just uh, get started. What order should we do this in? Let's just both say what our teams are, and then we'll just go round by round, I guess, Mike, if that works sure. for you. Uh, we can go short on some of the rounds and long on the others, depending on how much you actually have to say about the particular round. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so I played my Teen Titans Animals build. Um, it's exactly the same as the one that I played to second place in the online free Brad event a while ago. Um, I will start out by noting that I do not think you should play this build. <laughs> um, I think it was pretty good before uh, the new Mashes of Evil Chases and Carnage Silver Surfer and everything. Um, I'll go into in more detail what I think has made it worse when we talk about some of the specific rounds later. Um, I mostly played it because I just didn't really have a way to find different figures in the like two weeks that I actually was thinking about what team to play. Um, so I just defaulted back on a team that I knew I had access to everything. Thanks, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Wars. Um, and like, I think it's a solid team. I think you can play it to top cuts pretty easily. I think you're very unlikely to actually win the tournament. Um, but it's what I played anyway. Uh, and I'll just go over that again for people who don't know exactly what it is. It's Cosmo with the Emotional Modifier, three maggots, one with the Blue Lantern Ring, one with US Agent Shield, one with Red Wing, Chip with the Green Lantern Ring. And I will talk about later why that actually mattered. Um, so usually, basically, it doesn't matter because it's just willpower. But it did matter once in my games this weekend. Uh, and I think it's interesting to talk about. Um, 
And then the Flash with the Cloak of Levitation and uh, Beast Boy Prime, who's adding the Flash to your build and making it so that when half of your things die, you can replace them with a Red Raven, who can then be replaced with a Deadpool. And whenever basically anything dies, you can choose a Scrappy-Doo instead. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about how my strategy around when to replace what evolved over the course of the event as well, because I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but not just yet. Mike, what did you play? Well... Um, <laughs> my team's kind of funny, I guess. Uh, it, it started as a dream uh, as, as the Avengers 60 set came out and I got lucky and pulled uh, like four of the chases. Uh, and so just kind of was looking at it and building them. And uh, it really was a team I never thought I would be able to actually play because I never thought I would get all the pieces. It's very pricey. Part of why I nicknamed the team who has that kind of money uh it was really a just a, a shock dream team that i really never thought i would build and uh was lucky that someone uh will how william Howe, thanks shout out uh, for lending me some of the pieces i didn't have um so basically it's um the hound so a uh, bunch of the avengers uh, prime chase or avengers chases of course so the hound dark phoenix uh the apocalypse prize figure from the slop set uh, with sword bear of course genesis uh, with sword bear both of them obviously at their lower points uh, the 35 point line uh, venom magneto with the tesseract uh, mephisto ultra chase mephisto uh, professor x uh, prime hulk with the cloak of levitation and then the legacy colossal carnage and uh, and it all works out to actually being an X-Men theme team, which is just <laughs> so ridiculous. Does, yeah. uh, because, of course, uh, anybody with Warrior, Monster, or Brute from Genesis gets a Racco. And then if you've got a Racco, uh, uh, Apocalypse gives you X-Men. Uh, well, that's why the starting lineup has Hound and Dark Phoenix specifically, because they both have Brute uh, and Carnage and Hulk as well. Uh, monster and brute between the two of them uh welcome to the x-men so uh yeah that was the team and nice. of course it's, it's a it's a swapping team uh so there is the sideline which is uh three of the chases so king killmonger iron inquisitor and ghost goblin and then hope summers deadpool and uh step for cuckoo yeah which uh yeah so just like talk a bit about your x-men swap now i guess yeah yeah, um, I mean it's not a it's not an overly complicated X Men swap. Uh, it's funny. Uh, last year at Worlds, I played an Avenger swap, which was one of those really complicated. Like I I'd spent weeks mapping out all the swapping or whatever. This one is is less like that in the beginning because really all you're doing is you're pulling Ultra Chase Mephisto and Professor Ox at, Professor X off at 55 points total. And then you're bringing those 55 points back on in uh, a cuckoo and I either Hope Summers or uh, Deadpool. 99%, maybe 95% of the time, I'm bringing on Hope. Uh, I think she's a great figure. Uh, the ability to copy stuff is really great. It's another source of leadership on the team that I actually can roll for a lot of people because uh, yeah. X-Men. Um, so yeah, m almost every single time I bring on Hope, Deadpool is really more for a range-based team or even to do with Carnage Surfer uh, by, uh, you know, putting some water under friends or even under the big Carnage Colossal. It's a fun way to get, keep him from getting sniped right away. Um, but that's it. Like, it's not 
overly complicated in terms of the X-Men swapping. Uh, everything else is is uh, about the Masters of Evil swapping. Yeah, I think it's a cool little swap because it's just uh, you're always bringing in a separate cuckoo, and then you have two 40-point characters where you're you have one powerful 40-point character that you're almost always playing, uh, and has a lot of great stuff to copy. Honestly, like there's some really good support powers and uh, some really good defensive powers and some occasionally good offensive powers. Although you're usually taking enough actions in a turn that she doesn't have yeah. to copy things that require her to take actions. Oh uh, yeah, and usually copying support stuff, absolutely. Yeah, and, and also it's it's great you, for, you know. yeah, and it's also great too because you know you're utilizing the sort of the free Mephisto gimmick, which is uh, right. You swap stuff off to the sideline, he goes off to the sideline. Well, because now you're bringing stuff from the sideline, he gets to come right back on the map next to either of the the Cuckoo or Hope Summers, and it's you basically start with 330 points on the map. Yeah, which is. Uh... <laughs> Probably not a great thing, but you know, it's it's how the rules work for some reason. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like I'm getting away with something, but uh, sure, yeah. why not? Every chance you get. Yeah, and that was um, something that we talked about when you first started building the team, where you just like had put some X Men figures on it, and I was like, you know, you just like get 33 points if you had a swap to that, and you were like, oh, yeah, I should really do that then. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny too, right? Because it was just putting all these pieces together and it was, I was down to the end and, and basically had like 25 points left or 30 points left that I was fiddling in that zone. It's like, that's when you mentioned the X-Men thing. I'm like, oh yeah. That should probably be the answer. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Um, how'd your round one go? Uh, well, my round one, oh God, Americans, you know, like... Keep trying to stop them from coming up here, but they keep making it over the border. Uh, so my first game is against uh, Joe Pengrazio. Uh, he played a Spider-Man family team, which uh, I'm not going to lie, I was super excited to play against. I love Spider-Man family. Uh, so it was a really fun way to start. Joe's a great guy. Um, so his team was uh, Rock Knight at 100 points, which was so funny because in playtesting, I played him so many times. And then when we started playing the game, I... I halfway through i was like oh wait he's at 100 points <laughs> like of course he is you should know his dial um so he had a yeah, that, at the soul sword that 100 points makes him harder to kill <laughs> oh yeah yeah right like super crazy gross he's he's so good um so he had him uh with the soul sword you know that's never uh, uh spider-man beyond amazing that spider with Skybreaker, uh, Bombastic Bagman with All Black the Necro Sword, Mary Jane Watson, and High Evolutionary with Pumpkin Bombs. Uh, and then um, a, a good sized tarot, really. Like, uh, he had, what did he have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven tarot cards. Whoa. I didn't even notice that in our game, honestly. Yeah. I <laughs> so, would not personally play that many tarot cards as anybody who has read my no. tarot guide knows but <laughs> no it's super risky but honestly i remember in our game that that some of those tarots were coming up exactly right for him um joe played well joe's a good player um yeah. i i won map because um you know i kind of expected i'd win map a lot on the day there weren't a lot of people who were really playing theme joe was but 
I won the choice of going first or letting him pick map. So I let him pick map and I was first player. He picked uh, Council of Red, uh, which was great. Um, That's the one with the elevated in the, the middle? Uh, it's more around the edge. It's almost oh. like a U shape of elevated. And then there's that oh, one that. slightly more elevated spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in all the playtesting with Emily and I, um, that was the map that she kept picking uh, against my team. So I actually had a lot of practice on the map. I knew what was the best side for me to start. Um, but overall, it really came down to dice. Um, there was one turn where I made five attacks on Joe and I had three probs to spread out amongst those five attacks and I was not successful on any of them. So that hurt a lot. Um, but it really was a super close game. Um, Soul Sword is such a great choice for a Rack Knight because I hit him to a stop click a couple of times and he bounced right back off the stop click. Uh, yeah, it just like doubles the number of attacks you have to put into him. It's, it's a lot. Absolutely. And then again, because I was then missing on a bunch of follow-ups, I wasn't able to really properly deal with him. So I kind of wasted some early time trying to deal with the Rack Knight before I spread stuff out elsewhere to take out more support pieces. Uh, like I killed Bombastic Bagman uh, in one turn and uh, uh, Mary Jane and High Evolutionary. Uh, but honestly, the, it was the early coming out by Joe and the early success that he managed to get like 90 points off of me and I got 75 points off of him. Close so game. yeah, it was, it was a hard, only 15 point loss and you know you never well i was gonna say you never really want to start the day with a loss but funnily enough on our, our train ride in right we were talking about how yeah. fir first round is practice uh so i tried to keep that in my head i'm like okay i i learned some things and i gotta be a little faster with things and based uh, on your um path to the through the swiss i think that early loss may have been pretty good for you <laughs> it it yeah to be fair it i think it actually really turned out to be really good for me um but it's still scary when, to have to win everything else obviously at the well time, yeah so. right <laughs> to, to go into that position and know now you can't drop another game nobody ever yeah. likes that that's why i say i'd never like to have that first round loss regardless of whether the pairing gets better but i would agree 100 percent that 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 the low scoring loss uh definitely put me into uh obviously a better game next and funnily enough, then that next game also then helped me out in, in somewhat similar uh, respect. Uh, my next game is against Dennis Ryan. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll talk about my first round. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now as well, that. I guess. Yeah, I think it makes sense to both talk about first round. So I played Dennis Ryan <laughs> in the first round. Um, so you got pared down for the second. No, wait, you, you lost as well. Yeah, no, that worked. Yeah, I had lost. Yeah, uh, basically, we played on, um, what's the name, Jay? You commented on the map at the time, the, like, bank heisty map, right? No, wait. The, what, the Prison 42 reprint? Thank you, Prison 42, yeah. It's a, it's a map I, I know, used to play. It's a new one it's called, but yeah. It's, it's a yeah, map it's I used to play jailbreak. on. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's a map I used to play on casually a bunch, so Jay wandered by our table and was like, did you put, did you play this, Devin? I'm like, no, it's not available. <laughs> this is all Dennis. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I played against Dennis Ryan first round. Um, he was playing the Wonder Woman 80th Green Lantern at full um, Flash, 
uh, Faust. Um, Mike, feel free to jump in here if you have the build sheet in front of you. I, I do. Don't. Uh, yeah, so it was full point Green Lantern with Captain Carter's shield, Iron Spider at 75 right. with U.S. Agent, uh, the Wonder Woman, uh, Death Metal Wonder Woman with Cloak of Levitation, uh, Flash with the Darkhold, Felix Faust, and Mary Jane Watson. Yep. Okay, so yeah, he just sort of moved up into a side area of the map and put some barrier up. Um, I took the barrier down with uh, some fire hydrants, basically. Um, and then uh, poisoned a bunch of stuff and killed Mary Jane and Faust um, and dealt like a little bit of damage to Green Lantern. Um, but really the big thing that I did the first turn was I used Cosmo and named no charge and then hid Cosmo really well. Uh, and basically all of his ability to actually get to me to deal damage was charge. So like his Iron Spider couldn't charge me, his Wonder Woman couldn't charge me, and his Flash couldn't charge me on turn two. So his entire turn two was basically spent moving up a little bit because and he made like one attack with his green lantern or something which missed because i had emotional modifier on minus attack and then uh the next turn i cleaned up flash and uh green lantern and put iron spider to like second last click and then uh, the game was pretty close to over from there um he killed one thing i think killed like a maggot or something uh and i replaced with red raven but uh Unfortunately, based on the start, there just wasn't actually much chance for him to deal damage. When you rely entirely on one particular power to be able to deal damage against a Cosmo, you're in a little bit of trouble. Um, which, you know, isn't that common of a matchup, so I'm not sure he totally could have predicted it, but uh, that was how it worked out. How'd your game against Dennis go, Mike? Um, well, kind of similar. <laughs> Uh, obviously not with all the poisoning. God, I wish I had some passive damage. But um, so I I won. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won that map roll as well. Um, he picked. I think he picked Avengers Tower, or maybe he did pick the Prison Jailbreak one too. Uh, it had a whole bunch of blocking and stuff, which I was not upset about with my Prime Hulk. I yeah. kind of felt like, okay, sure. Um, I, he did the same thing. He moved out into a position, put up a bunch of barrier and sort of, uh, thought, okay, I'll keep myself safe. Um, I threw Hulk and, uh, Genesis out there. I totally made a mistake in one of my positioning. So the idea was I had Hulk, Hulk, I used the, uh, Dark Phoenix movement. I just had her move zero movement just to get the free half movement with Brute. Uh, both Hulk and Genesis could move forward. I had Hulk walk through a wall to then let Genesis be able to walk through the wall. And then I had Hulk charge an attack on, um, God, I think it was Faust. And then I was going to be able to follow up with Genesis totally realizing after the fact wait a minute genesis doesn't fly and because of the positioning uh she was gonna have to stop next to the stop sign like I, like as a regular based figure uh type thing i i didn't have enough movement for her to be able to take this one extra step to get around to a real target um so little mistake like that early on prevented me from following up and finishing something off um our stuff ends up very much in each other's face and i 
I positioned a lot and got into a really good like chance to do a lot and then time ended. <laughs> so it was one of those games where there was so much positioning and readjusting right. and all this kind of stuff. And you know, the and, 47 uh, free actions that your team could take. Yeah, that's it. Right. So I basically, I managed to get one good attack off on Faust. I took out Faust. I got rid of Mary Jane and, and that was it. I got 45 points, uh, but I managed <laughs> to eke out the win uh, and again, this is why I say that between the loss in the first round with the 75 and then a win, but with only 45, I was still really low in the bracket. Yeah, man, you uh, weren't going to get matched up against me, who was also one and one after uh, my exactly. first two games. <laughs> yeah, so I went I went into my third round uh, in, in a much better place in terms of uh, uh, difficulty of opponent. Yeah. Yeah, so my second round was against Chris Asario, um, who was the eventual second place player. Uh, he was playing Scarlet Witch with Darkhold, Sakarian Iron Man with Cloak of Levitation, Karnan Silver Surfer with Symbiote, Frogman, <laughs> which came up in our game in a big way. <laughs> Felix Faust, the Commissioner, Surter, and Carnage, um, and a Destroyer and War Machine on the sideline. Um, so this game was really weird. <laughs> uh, I won the map roll and chose to go first in every game all day, I think. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, no, except our game in the top four, actually, Mike. That's the only that's the only one where I lost the roll. Um, so uh, I went first, and Chris chose Fountain of Asgard. Um, Chris positioned pretty well on the first turn, but I had a reasonable shot to be able to just come across the map and take out Scarlet Witch, but it used all of my actions. Um, so I did a bunch of maneuvering. I got two outwits off on Scarlet Witch, but uh, Faust got rid of one of the outwits, unfortunately. Um, so I didn't get rid of the super senses, but I needed to hit one of three or four attacks or something like that and get it through the super. Yeah, one of four attacks and get it through the super senses to be able to finish off Scarlet Witch. Um, and uh, Chris super sensed the first two. Uh, I missed the third needing a six, rolling a four into a prob on a five, and then I missed the last one, also needing a six, rolling a five into a crit miss with a prob. Um, <laughs> so uh, I didn't kill Scarlet Witch on turn one, which just like basically lost me the game right there. Like it was very, very difficult to come back from that position. Um, honestly, I don't know whether I would have won it even if I had managed to kill Scarlet Witch on turn one, but not doing that while committing my entire team just made it like i don't even know what to do here um yeah so uh chris fought back and killed a bunch of stuff uh the other mistake i made on turn one was i forgot that scarlet witch had mystics for some reason so i didn't poison with my very last uh maggot pog before i attacked scarlet witch which would have killed faust because I was like, oh, I just need to hit her and then poison to kill her. But obviously I couldn't actually have done that because she has mystics and my pog would have died. So that was pretty dumb and meant that Faust was around for the rest of the game. But again, I, I'm not sure how much that would have mattered other than scoring me some points. Um, and then, yeah, on, on Chris's second turn, like Frogman dealt a bunch of free damage. Sakarian shot a thing. Carnage Silver Surfer shot a bunch of stuff. I replaced a bunch of things. I came into my second turn with... Uh, my second turn of attacks with Cosmo still alive, which was surprising. Um, and 
use the power action to take away Invincible on Scarlet Witch, and then uh, screwed up really badly <laughs> and failed to actually kill her. Um, so I... I can't remember. I think I only had one maggot left at this point, and I was planning to use the boot knockback to kill her and just forgot about Frogman's trait that says adjacent characters can't be knocked back. Which meant that uh, my boot knockback didn't kill Scarlet Witch. And then... Uh, the most random thing for him to not need, but of yeah. course he needed to do like a, a 12th thing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then I just like didn't have the actions to get my maggot up there, and I'd like filled the only possible spot that the maggot could have got into to spawn the pog to poison her with the boot which now couldn't go away <laughs> so i just like failed to kill scarlet witch again which was just me being really dumb at this point but i had already lost the game at this point i just really would have liked to score some points <laughs> um and then i just got wiped off the board the next turn so i played this game really poorly um and uh also uh missed a ton of stuff on turn one to lose it very very easily um honestly even if i'd played it perfectly i'm not sure i could have won but uh definitely playing it really poorly meant that there was absolutely no chance so oh well and then round three who'd you play round three um round three i played james mcmaster uh as we all know james uh is one of those people who definitely likes to dance to the beat of their own xylophone when it comes to building teams. Uh, you know, he's like, nope, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing it this way and I'm going to try this thing. And he has a lot yeah. of success in it. For listener context, James famously played a team that included Hellcow and TMNT Rat King to a top two in Provincials in like yeah. 2018 or something, 2017 yeah. maybe. It, <laughs> it, was, it was the year that I won, the other year that I won. And, uh, and yeah, he, he almost beat me too, man. He played that yep. team so he great. And everybody was surprised by it. Like, you know, there's something to be said for when you sit down across from a team and you're like i'm not really sure why you're playing that yeah you know? in my game against him that year i was playing al jordan and i had perplexed up damage and then he just like phased a rat king through a wall mind controlled the character that i'd perplexed the damage up on and one shot my al jordan and i was like oh that's what that yep. character does right <laughs> should have yeah. known that yeah. <laughs> pretty good so james was playing uh an interesting mystical team that was the uh 35 points, Saturnine Chase, um, Captain Britain Rogue Prime, uh, Weapon Hex, uh, the uh, Sheriff. Uh, um, the like prize, prize from yeah. Yeah, XOS. Yeah. Sheriff Gia something. Gia it, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, sure. And, uh, and then with the uh, Soul Sword on Weapon Hex. So really, it's a team of juicing up these bystanders that can then like just shoot through anything or whatever like it's it's really about entrenching your team and and shooting um i won map choice i or i won choice overall i let james pick map which is pretty much what i was doing the majority of the day is i yeah, would and I'd, I'd want to be first player because obviously i have a lot of reach on my team um so yeah, I let James pick. He picked the Ultron Lair, um, and I put him on the side of the map, uh, basically by the mouth. I took the the top of the map where there's the 
square of hindering and uh, he had the other end. Um, I, as part of my team, I have uh, three sections of blocking terrain were my three special markers. And ultimately my plan, obviously, like most people is using those early on with prime Hulk to heal them up. But I'm also positioning them in such a way that I'm creating a nice big section of hindering uh, to let my team sort of jump into and get themselves defensively prepared, uh, especially with the two uh, uh, Avengers 60 Masters of Evil chases. Uh, it's great to be able to put Iron Inquisitor and Killmonger in the middle of your group and, and have different ways to avoid taking damage. So um, once I sort of figured out what James' team was going to do, um, that's what I did is I moved my team out to just sort of outside of range of him initially being able to take pot shots at me. He did a slight bit of shifting forward now to get ready to shoot at me. And, uh, and then I did the usual um, throw Hulk and Genesis across the map, get them into a crowd and just start swinging away. Um, it's a yeah, dice you have game. so many perplexes and stuff that Genesis's 10 attack isn't that much of a downside on your team. So she's actually a no. pretty good offensive figure. Yeah, I can I can manage to have three perplexes on a turn with uh, between Iron Inquisitor, um, the Cuckoo, and Hope Summers. So, um, and in fact, in theory, I could have four on a turn if I decide to swap out Iron Inquisitor and bring another one back on near the end of the turn. Um, what's really helpful is, and in most cases, I I try to make Iron Inquisitor the one that's perplexing up um, Genesis because you want to get the prob, especially because you're throwing the people all the way up the map. Um, ultimately, yeah, that power it's is be, so powerful. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's got to be either Hulk or Genesis that I end up using the Iron Inquisitor Perplex on so that whenever they're up there by themselves, they've always got prob. It's a, it's a huge, huge affecting. Like, I, I couldn't believe how many times I needed that reroll, right? It's, uh, it's so funny. Yeah, you'll have like a 13 attack, but just having the prob makes a yeah. difference still. Yeah, right? Like it does, though. It really does. And it's funny, again, when you think back to the discussion about team prob and why team prob went away and talking about alpha strike. Yep. So <laughs> it's, you know, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I there were a couple of misses in there, but in general, I was getting to do mostly what I wanted. Uh, lots of repositioning, swapping in and out my Masters of Evil to get what I needed. Um, and that game, basically, I took everything except for weapon hacks um, before time ran out. So I took 210 and uh, I, I feel like I just lost one piece in that game. Um, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, once they were sort of trapped in that lower part of the mouth and I just went up to the upper lip part, uh, there was just so much control. And it's funny too as well, the Tesseract on Venom Magneto, how often that actually helped me out when that was just because I had five points left when I built the team. Yeah. Like I literally got down to 295. I had five points left. Pretty much everybody I wanted equipped had something. I'm like, well, what's five points? Well, Tesseract, well, you know, Magneto is going to be carrying people. So sure, he'll face teleport every time he carries. Why not have prob? It's a game of dice. I was um, I was playing the Tesseract on Crazy Jane before I put the Darkhold on her. It uh, can definitely do things on the right character. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
it's it's a dice game, man. Like how how often have you done all the right things and gone up and you only need like a five or six to hit and you roll a three, you know, or you crit miss. So uh prob is huge. But uh but that was it. That that's how that game worked out. Yeah, I faced your first round opponent. Uh <laughs> we sort of flipped opponents a little bit here. Uh I faced Joe in round three. Um so Joe picked Avengers Tower against me um, and sort of did nothing on his first turn because there was just no real way he could get to me to attack me. Um, and then I came across the map and just had like a completely devastating turn, basically. Uh, it's really tough when you're fa when uh, you have a team that relies entirely on super senses and you're facing a team that has a Cosmo on it because I just picked no super senses and then just like I killed Bombastic Bagman, I killed High Evolutionary, I killed Mary Jane, I poisoned Arachnite to stop Click, and I uh got Spider down to click five. All on turn one. Um, yeah, that's what I learned against you with my with my other team in practice. Yeah. Was once the super sense is gone, whoa. Yeah, you're actually not that tough anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this game was just sort of a, a murder on that first turn. Um, his team just, like, didn't really have that much that could defend against the stuff that I was doing as far as uh, the, the first turn trying not to die. Um, and then because I had hit Spider to click... So Destroyer came out, which was good for him. Um, but because I had hit Spider to click five and I had the emotional modifier on minus one attack, Spider was attacking with nines on turn two against the only thing that they could attack, the adjacent maggot with a uh, um, US agent shield. <laughs> so it was a nine on a 20. So Spider just wasn't doing anything turn two. There was no chance. Um, Destroyer missed, which was very bad for Joe. And then uh, um, Arachnite, killed Cosmo, but missed uh, the special attack power, which was also pretty bad for Joe. Um, so this was where I first sort of changed the order that I was replacing things. Um, I had in practice a lot been replacing Cosmo when Cosmo died with Red Raven immediately. Uh, but as I kept playing it in practice, it turned out that like when I still had a bunch of stuff left, I didn't like, you know, Red Raven's average action is better than a lot of people's average action, so it's still fine, but I didn't need that offensive extra action in the early game, whereas the extra outwit from Scrappy-Doo when he comes out is actually very good. Um, so I started changing to uh, bringing out Scrappy-Doo first pretty frequently, and this was the first game that I did that in. Um, so that allowed me to just go over and... Uh, um, take Destroyer back off the map, um, and then uh, kill Spider and Penny killing Spider permanently, which left Joe with just uh, the Arachnite and um, eventually, I, I'm pretty sure he brought out a Sentinel as well that I also took back off the map. Um, and Arachnite's a really good figure, obviously, so, you know, the game went on for a while, but Arachnite's not going to win a 1v, like, by himself like yeah, 
I mean, it is. I am terrified of that figure. It can happen. Uh, and Arachnite killed a surprising amount of stuff. Like I lost, uh, you know, my Scrappy Doo and uh, Maggot and Flash and Beast Boy um, and maybe something else I can't remember before the end of the game to just Arachnite before I managed to finally whittle him down enough. So, you know, like it, there was still a game after that. Oh, and Chip, of course. Uh, so there was still a game after that, but um, with Red Ra with the ability to replace any maggot that died with Red Raven, there just like wasn't actually that much chance for uh, Arachnite to carry it entirely by himself. But honestly, closer than I would have liked. <laughs> um, so that game ended there. Uh, the other thing that mattered a lot in that game was that the was the Red Wing outwit. Um, Red Wing is on this team for two reasons. One is that it's an extra outwit, which is awesome. But the other one is just when I come across the map, I actually end up with an extra action. Uh, because on the turn that I come across the map, I'm using Cosmo's movement power. I'm using Flash's charge and I'm using the construct that Chip makes. But that's only three actions, so I have an extra one left. Uh, and Red Wing is not the greatest figure in the world, but with the uh, empowers that I have, with Precision Strike, with the emotional modifier on minus attack, it, on minus defense on the turn that I come across, it means that uh, Red Wing can attack as an 11 for two or as a 10 for one getting through, you know, reducers on stop clicks and stuff. Um, so it, it actually played really well. Um, the version of this team that I played without Red Wing with the uh, massive evil chases on it, I missed Red Wing a lot. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure that that's a solvable problem for that team. Um, I think maybe the answer, if you're playing the massive evil chases, but I haven't tested this that much, so don't take this as gospel, is uh, that you just can't play Beast Boy if you're also playing the massive evil chases. But the, the Red Raven replacement is really good, so I'm reluctant to do that either. Um, and then there was only four rounds of Swiss, right? So this next round's the last one. Yep. Uh, so we're both two and one going into this. Uh, a win gets us into the cut, and a loss gets us not into the cut. Who'd you face, Mike? Well, this is part of the the um, the build up from low point and all this kind of stuff. So I was facing Rory Rudd in the third round, and he was basically playing a. Uh, Injustice League themed team. Uh, you know, it's really based around Deathstroke. Um, so he's playing the 150 point Deathstroke, uh, 30 point Beast Boy, 75 point uh, Martian Manhunter, all of these from Batman Team Up, uh, Felix Faust, and then he put the Red Lantern Ring on Manhunter and Radioactive Clay on Faust. Now, the only reason I mentioned again the, the sort of the lower points and the easier matchups was because my opponent Rory, when we sat down he looked at my team and his team and he's like why are we facing each other <laughs> and i'm like i i you know i had the low points and you know this is i think this is why it was it's just this is how the matchup worked out and again there's only 12 players right so there's not a, a wide stretch of people that you can be matched up with overall um he played a whole bunch of tarot cards too um and I will say that 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 actually led to costing him more grief than it should have. Like there was a turn where I had a couple of guys in close. Um, I had three figures within range of Deathstroke and he pulse waved 
but the card where you can't do more than two damage was up. So a bunch of my people who would have died survived because he couldn't do like they had three clicks left and he could only do two to them. So that was one of those times where having too many tarot cards going really Yeah, that one's tough. Yeah. That's a card that like when I saw it initially, I was like, this could go on a bunch of teams and then I just got lower and lower on it as time went on and I just started realizing that like it could go on a bunch of teams. But if that team like can deal three damage at any point during the game and it needs it to kill, then flipping that card is just awful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, really, I, I knew what I had to do in my game. I, I have to be aggressive. My team is usually pretty aggressive, um, as you saw in all our playtesting. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the team overall, I should be mentioning, is really about getting Genesis and Hulk up the map, right? Because... Hulk is only 10 points. If you get lucky enough. Uh, we lost you, Mike. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yep, you're back. Okay, that was weird. Canadian internet. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was saying now. Uh, you were just saying that the team's about throwing Hulk and Genesis. Right? Oh, yeah. So if, if you get lucky early on with Hulk and those uh, get good rolls and you get them pretty juiced up uh, destroying things, get them to top click or second from the top right he's great and he's only 10 points and you're throwing him all the way across the map um with the combination of venom magneto um the free move option from um dark phoenix i'm in a lot of cases able to get both genesis and hulk all the way up into my opponent yeah on small maps it's basically guaranteed yeah it's pretty crazy how effective it is and you know Genesis is great. I mean, a f- with, with Sword Bear, she's 40 points. She's got Charge, Flurry, Precision Strike. You know she's got a stop click, and it's a great stop click that punishes your opponent. Like, yeah, Blades, so which means that she's just dealing four every time. Like, Absolutely, you know? Like, hey, you don't want to lose uh, her and lose that minimum Blades thing, but it's not crucial to your team. And again, she's only 40 points. So, uh, you know, when she does go down, you're not suddenly behind a huge amount of points. Yeah, you're. so most of the games, you're throwing 55 points worth of characters, including their equipment, across the map to kill, you know, 60 to 80 points worth of characters. Yep. And those characters aren't that easy to kill back. It's not like you're no. throwing a, a flash across the map here, right? Like, they're not, it's not guaranteed dead afterwards. Totally. It's a Hulk with eight clicks of life and an unoutwittable invincible and a, a Genesis who has a stop click and is entirely unoutwittable. <laughs> yep. And and what's really great about it too is uh, when you put the Muramasa blade on Genesis and now you have that option, right, of rolling. If you roll low, that's great. You activate the Muramasa blade, but then her trait kicks in and the damage is still four. Yeah. So it's so, oh man, it's so great when that works. So when the tarot card comes up where you get to choose, uh, where you get to roll 2d6 for blades, uh, it's like the happiest day ever. So uh, speaking of that, how frequently did you pick Miramasa versus Warlock for Genesis? Um, I think out of the four rounds, I think it was a three to one. In like favor of Miramasa? Of, or... of, uh, of Warlock, actually. Okay. 
uh, because of the fact that I, I was looking at opponents in a lot of cases where I wasn't as worried about their defense powers. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it was only actually this fourth round uh, out of the first four where I picked Muramasa. Because oh, yeah, that's pretty of, good against Deathstroke. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly it. It was because of Deathstroke and all his stop clicks. Plus, to be fair, I, you know, I was hoping to get around Felix Faust, but you never can because you still get to roll the super senses beforehand anyway because it's, you know, when you're hit. But, uh, yeah, it, it was all about Deathstroke for this. And and also, too, I will say, whenever I see Felix Faust on the map, I usually go for him first if I can. Yeah. Uh, he's brutal. He messes with everything that you're doing. Um, and, yeah, it's, I, I was very aggressive in going after Faust and getting rid of Faust as the first thing off of Rory's team. Uh, surrounded the rest of his team, forcing, uh, like, he was retreating at one point with, Manhunter and a very hurt Deathstroke, and uh, and I managed to just take full points from him. And I'm not sure I actually lost it. I might have lost one thing in that one or two things, but it was it was very much felt very one sided. Yeah. Um, my last rant, uh, as somebody who had a lot of points, but was two and one, uh, was against Emily, um, who is not the opponent that you want to play against in a win and in. Uh, we practice against each other a lot. The matchup is pretty 50-50 historically um, in our practice games, and that is really not the place you want to be against Emily. Uh, so we played. Uh, I did my usual thing where I like sidestep out but try to protect Cosmo as much as possible on turn one, um, but Emily still managed to get there and kill Cosmo. Um, losing Cosmo turn one against a 145 point apocalypse, never your favorite thing in the world. This is again where my replace with uh, Scrappy Doo instead of Red Raven came in. Um, the reason that it matters here specifically is because Red Raven has Battle Fury and can't be carried, um, and uh, Scrappy Doo doesn't. Um, so the next turn, I got to re equip the emotional modifier with Scrappy Doo, which was pretty huge for the rest of the game. Um, and then go across the map and uh, choose minus attack with the emotional modifier instead of minus defense, uh, because I just didn't really need the minus defense. I have like four probs, and her defenses just aren't actually that high. Um, and managed to uh, kill all of her support pieces, which are 20-point uh, Green Lantern, Star Sapphire, and uh, Hulk. Um, and I had the uh, exploit splash card here, which helped a lot with killing Hulk and killing the others because I got to deal some damage to the others while also dealing damage to Hulk where the where just poison doesn't do that very effectively. Um, so the biggest, so the most important thing when coming across the map against this team I found is that if I can uh, manage to poison Carnage Silver Surfer down off of the special speed power, on the turn that I come across the map. She'd done a bunch of barrier and stuff, so there's a bunch of implied removing things with uh, um, fire hydrants here. <laughs> um, but yeah, specifically Carnage Surfer, um, you really do need to get rid of that speed power because if Carnage Surfer gets to attack twice against your team when you're playing animals on turn two, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, uh, yeah, so everything except uh, Genesis, Carnage Surfer, and Apocalypse die on turn one uh, because Emily had to come all the way out to kill Cosmo and because of the way I'd positioned, uh, Apocalypse couldn't actually get back all the way on turn two 
um, the 10 movement, the, she needed TK to get to Cosmo on turn one, and the 10 movement wasn't enough with the way I positioned to get back, so there was no attack from Apocalypse on turn two. Um, Genesis, because I chose the minus attack, is attacking with a nine, which just, like, isn't that scary. Uh, you know, I based her with the uh, um, uh, US Agent Shield one again. I like doing that to those figures. She is Warlock, so she did break away, but you know, it's nines on 18s for the most part against my team, and she just didn't hit those. And then Carnage Surfer had a 10 on an 18 and didn't hit that either. So she just didn't really get to do anything on turn two. Um, and then on my next turn, I managed to kill Carnage Surfer um, with like two attacks. She just missed the shape change and the parry and died, um, which was fantastic for me <laughs> uh that does not happen every game um oh, so does it not happen yeah so managing to get that through was was pretty huge um and then uh i managed to get one damage through from the exploit splash damage onto genesis turn one um so i only needed to deal one more to get her to the stop click uh so i was having my red wing pog attack her because you don't get parry against the Red Wing Pug, whereas you do against everything else, so it was pretty tough to get her there. So I got her to uh, to the stop click and kept it on. I just kept uh, the emotional modifier on minus one and, uh, attack for the entire game, <laughs> basically here. Um, and then I decided to uh, create a stop sign to barrier in the apocalypse who had started coming back across the map. Um, usually this is a very good idea. Uh, where it's not such a good idea is where you put your stop sign three squares away, uh, so it doesn't actually do anything, then it's worse. <laughs> so that's what I did, of course. Uh, and she succeeds the willpower. Uh, so this was just a massive mistake. Like, uh, I don't know what I was doing here. Uh, I literally said, go ahead, and then looked at where my stop sign was and went, that's three squares away. And she was like, sure is <laughs> and rolls the willpower <laughs> like okay great i'm in a good spot um and uh so he gets to come out and just murder chip um and that's important because uh if chip is alive and you've killed everything except for uh apocalypse then you win the game um because you can barrier with the green uh stop sign and because chip is using his trait to create it instead of the ring you can move him far enough away that the stop sign goes away and then come back and make a stop sign again the next turn to just do that forever. Um, whereas if you only have the blue ring that I have on my other maggot, then you have to hit leaderships to keep doing it. Uh, and I do have two leaderships that weren't dead. So like, you know, it's pretty likely still, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, and here's where Chip drops the green ring because Chip has died. Um, and, he, and that matters later. Um, so uh, I take my turn. Um, I do the thing where I pick Red Wing back up. <laughs> I think this is the first time that that line of text on Red Wing has ever come up for me. Because um, Red Wing, when he dies, he drops a light object. And then if the character who's equipped with Red Wing picks it back up, uh, they can create Red Wing again. And that one more Red Wing damage kills Genesis. I didn't hit it this turn. I, I hit it the next turn. But um, it's pretty important <laughs> to be able to actually kill Genesis here. Um, and I take a power action to create the uh, blue stop sign, and I barrier in Apocalypse. Um, Emily gets a turn with Genesis. She misses again because, again, it's nine attacks on my 18s at least, um, and 
she just can't hit that. And I have like three probs on any attack she can make. Like it's just very, very difficult for her to actually hit these attacks consistently. Um, and then the next turn, I actually succeed with the Red Wing Pug and I kill Genesis, leaving her with just Apocalypse. Um, if the blue shield, the blue stop sign is my only stop sign left, then uh, I still have to actually hit the leadership rolls to keep her buried forever. But the green ring dropped. So I get to power action with a maggot to equip the green ring while I bury her in with the blue ring. And then the next turn, power action with a maggot to create the green stop sign and power action with the green stop sign to bury her in while the blue stop sign clears. And I just do that for the rest of the game. Um, and that's how the game ends. And uh, during this, and I try to kill Apocalypse. I make like 15 attacks a turn and deal no damage, basically. <laughs> um, but it didn't matter because I was significantly up on points. Um, and during this saga of me just saying, barrier, 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 Emily looks at me and is like, okay, I'm done playing this Apocalypse team. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm like the only person apparently who barriers in her Apocalypse consistently. Um, but it's just super demoralizing when that happens. <laughs> so I managed to to win that matchup, which has historically been a 50-50 with some really interesting uh, decisions in that game and one horrible, horrible mistake where I just like forget what stop signs do or something. Uh, and the top four is decided. Um, and Mike and I are the second and third seeds. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and uh, Chris Cesario, who destroyed me and beat Emily earlier in the tournament, uh, is the first seed, and Matt Ryan is the fourth seed. Um, so Matt Ryan and Chris Cesario play in the first round, and Mike and I play in the first round of the top four. Um, I think this matchup is almost unwinnable <laughs> for my team. Um, so... The theory of animals, to me, is that it's a team that deals extremely consistent amounts of damage, right? It deals fairly large, but extremely consistent amounts of damage. Um, and what your team has is both a Hulk, who is 10 points for a very large number of clicks, and uh, 30 extra points, basically, because you're swapping out a Mephisto. Um, and also Mephisto can come back later if I kill him, so there's really not much point focusing on a Mephisto. Um, so basically, it just sort of neutralizes the fact that I only have to deal a certain amount of damage, because it just has, like, more figures than any other team in the meta. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's my yeah, theory of this matchup. Uh, <laughs> it, so, like, yeah, the, this game was interesting. Uh, I think I played it okay. I did not come close to winning it. <laughs> uh, it, it. Well, it wasn't that far off. We were, so we the were weird, in the zone. Yeah, so the weird thing is that, like, at the end of this game, if you just look at the board state, it looks like I'm winning. Uh, yeah, I, I thought you were. have more figures left on the map. But also, uh, a Scrappy-Doo has died, and a Red Raven has died, and a Deadpool has died. <laughs> so actually, Mike has scored like 400 points or something. Like, not actually, but like at least 300. So yeah. like, it's just, yeah, it, it was tough. Um, well, I, I knew the key in our game. So I won, I won map yeah. roll, and I chose to be first player again. Devin yeah, and chose, I uh, the wedding, right? The desert. Yeah, wedding. desert wedding. So basically, in our practice game the week before, I learned that you never pick a small map against Mike's team because uh, then both Hulk and Genesis can get across the map, and then oh, you lose yeah. the game. Um, 
so you pick a large map so that he can choose one of them to send across the map, and then you barrier up so that it has to be Hulk. Yeah. Well, again, all the practice against you and Emily, I got really good at figuring out how to get around a barrier and stop something. Yeah. Like, I have learned all the ways for my Hulk to still charge in, say... Super strength um, is so good at it. Yeah, yeah, to say, to your stop sign. And and I knew, too, again, the key against your team for me to really have a chance is I have to murder Cosmo as yep. soon as possible. Because that's it. Once yeah, Cosmo's, once Cosmo's gone, dead, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, because it's just the But it's also just, like, gating. not... It's also just not easy to keep Cosmo alive. Like, he's just... No, not that hard to kill. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and and again too with the with the Scud missile that is the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like in our game, I'm pretty sure I rolled pretty well with those initial rolls for him. I got him into invincible. Yeah. Uh, I threw him all the way across the map. I put everything into throwing him across the map and and murdering yeah, and, Cosmo uh, on my. And at that point, it's like what, like a. 15 attack into my 18 with like a minus one attack for you or something like it's just yeah it's not yeah. you're not reasonably missing it ever <laughs> no no and i and i did the and you iron have a inquisitor thing. <laughs> yep, i did the iron inquisitor thing by probing him uh you used all the probs that you could use that could actually see i think yep. you only had two that could but you see needed to like crit miss or maybe a three misses yeah. or something yeah. so you exactly. didn't miss <laughs> no murdered cosmo and then what was so funny too is like you just left Hulk behind. Yeah. So the so once Cosmo is dead, you can't kill Hulk, right? Like so once Cosmo is dead and Hulk is on invincible, with animals you cannot kill Hulk. It's just like almost actually impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Like you he should wasn't try. <laughs> he wasn't top dial when I threw him in there, but the fact that I charged, I went through a, yeah. a piece of barrier, and I killed you with a piece of barrier yeah. was enough for sure for me to heal right right up to top. Yeah, I don't even know if you needed both of them. Like, no. you, you were easily at top. So, yeah, I mean, this is something else I learned from our practice games. In our practice games, when you came across and killed Cosmo, I replaced him with Red Raven. But then I have to leave Red Raven there fighting Hulk, and, like, she doesn't win that fight. So why am I doing it? Yeah. Like, she she loses that fight 100% of the time. <laughs> and then also she can't attack anything else on your team because she's on the other side of the map from the rest of your team. Like, yeah. there's just absolutely no reason to do that. So I brought in, again, I brought in Scrappy-Doo. I re-equipped Scrappy-Doo with the emotional modifier. This is the thing uh, that is very good to do because the emotional modifier is extremely powerful. Um Honestly, there's some chance that putting the emotional... Okay, so depending on the meta that you're up against, if you insist on playing animals, which again, I do not recommend if you would like to win a tournament, um, there's some chance that depending on how many scarabs you expect to face, you're actually supposed to put US Agent Shield on Cosmo and an emotional modifier on Maggot, so they have to choose one of the emotional modifier or Cosmo to get rid of. Um, but you can re-equip it, so it's not that big of a deal anyway, uh, assuming that it's on uh, a turn where you're not going to use the rest of your actions, which, like, people want to kill Cosmo so early, but that's pretty would, frequently. Yeah, I, um, I would still murder Cosmo. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, like, I left Hulk behind, I came across the map, I killed a bunch of stuff, Mike kind of messed up by not healing somebody on turn two, so I just uh, got to poison yeah. a King Killmonger to death. Like, everything went reasonably well for me, but, like, just the the battle of attrition just wasn't there for me like eventually my 
whittles down all of my stuff and I have to bring out Red Raven. And like, she does good stuff. She deals a bunch of damage to Hound. Uh, I eventually kill Hound. And then Red Raven dies to Hulk eventually coming back. And then like, I just like Mike at, at the point, like, you know, 40 minutes into the game or whatever, when it's pretty close to being over, looks at me as like, I'm definitely losing. Right. I'm like, Mike, do you know how many points Red Raven is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was so like, was like game was no, <laughs> how many well, points is Red Raven? I'm like, Devin, you shouldn't be such a hypocrite then. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> About what? About playing zero-point sideline bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is that if you don't bring in Red Raven, you lose much worse, right? Like, I couldn't possibly have killed Hound without Red Raven, and then I'm just losing yeah. anyway. So you have to bring in Red Raven, but then she dies and you lose. Like, that's part of what makes this matchup so unwinnable. Um is that like this is a team with enough stuff to answer all of the stuff that you have which like a lot of teams just aren't a lot of teams just run out of steam once they've they're, they're like i chewed through a cosmo i chewed through two maggots i killed a chip i killed a flash and now you have a red raven and a scrappy do and just still you still have a maggot left and i just i have no gas left and i lose and and that's just not mike's team at all right like he's yeah, healing no, I, like and removing an action token every turn yeah. he has more figures than anybody else he has a hulk like it's just not happening yeah. i had a lot of i had a lot of damage output i had a lot of uh, ways to heal get clicks back um clearing tokens was crazy yeah i yeah, i had just get to so move many forever. leadership so many willpowers and it's funny that i didn't even realize until after the tournament that killmonger had <laughs> i had no idea either yeah mike messages our group after is like did anybody know that killmonger has willpower in that turn we we're like no no idea because <laughs> we're so busy looking at the second part of the trait yeah. which is the rollout right it's like but yeah i i had multiple times in the tournament where i would start turns with no tokens because I had leadership on hope. I had leadership on um, Venom Mags. I had leadership on Apocalypse. I had leadership on Genesis. There's four there. Then I've got the Power Cosmic on Genesis, Power Cosmic on Apoc, Willpower on Hulk, will, uh, Colossal Willpower on Carnage. Yep. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So this All game ended with me with like 110 points still on the map, Mike with like 70 points still on the map, and Mike won by 100 points. That was how this game ended. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. Like, that's why I thought the whole time I'd lost. It was like, okay, I'm just going to keep swinging away. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it, there's a lot of damage output. I, there, there are multiple figures who end up with flurry. Mm -hmm. uh and blades and yeah like so that, the thing so. that most impressed me uh, on your team that like was a, a game element that i wasn't super a fan of beforehand is hound um i looked at hound and i went eh he has no movement attack he has no flurry and it's like okay yeah he has no movement attack but he has flurry and like if your opponent ends the turn next to one of your master of evil chases what's better <laughs> yeah well also getting getting free movement from dark phoenix there were lots of times where i was able to do that where instead of it being genesis and hulk it would be hound and hulk who'd move up or or just like you said i i could bring somebody forward drop a master of evil next to somebody swap that master of evil into hound and then have dark phoenix move and get a free attack at him yep yeah, yeah he was great. he's very good Plus hitting mystics and then healing right away. Yeah. Yeah, it does awesome. not care about mystics, does not care about poison, which is another big thing for my team. 
uh, you know, if Hound Hound was out with like two of my maggots still alive, and I was like, okay, well they don't do anything against that guy. <laughs> he has like 19 defense and is immune to poison, so uh, I guess I guess yeah. I just ignore him. Uh, this was another game where I just left uh, the emotional modifier on minus attack for the entire game because like I was gonna ju- chew through things at a reasonable pace anyway. I just needed you to miss attacks, and you no, didn't miss every effective. attack. So. Not everyone, but there were, there were <laughs> yeah. a couple of times. I mean, you did miss a bunch of attacks, but it just, oh, yeah. Yeah, it just seems unwinnable for me, so I did not win it. Um, and then uh, I'm out of the tournament, so what was your last round like? Well, my last game was against uh, Chris, Christopher, um, and we've already mentioned his evil team of, of you know, Scarlet Witch with the Dark Holds, Carrying Iron Man, Carnage of the Surfer, that that stuff. So a lot of evil stuff. Um, I won map roll. Oh, I keep saying map roll, but you know what I mean. I, I won initiative. I won choice. Yeah. And this was actually the only time on the day where I chose to go second and pick the map. And part of that yeah. was because my brain is very conditioned when I see that Scarlet Witch to be thinking about having control of map. Uh, definitely, if, if it's a Scarlet Witch team with an angler, uh, I wanna be able to pick map, right? So this was a large reason of why I wanted to build with theme. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, one and notable I, thing about Chris's team is that there's no Venom Magneto on it and there's no angler on it. The only way yes. to position Scarlet Witch to rune is Sicarian Iron Man picking TK. So, like, you don't have to be nearly as worried about Rune as you do in a lot of these other very similar matchups. Yeah, exactly. So that was a huge thing right there. So I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry now about having blocking terrain and all this kind of stuff. He's not going to suddenly jump there. And I don't know what it was. It just felt like it made sense with lines of fire and all that. I decided to pick Amphitunus. And as our playgroup knows, I love that map. Um, I, way back, a few years back, I forget what the team was I was building for what event, but I was using Ampetunias as my main map. And I sat down and like figured out all these positions and lines of fire of ways of like TKing through the windows and all of this. So like, I have really invested and studied this map. It feels like home to me, the amount of times I've played on it. You can see through uh, the folds now. The the map's been used so much that the folds are starting to come apart and they're a bit translucent as how much I've used the map. And notably, uh, the map is also really good for the new terrain placement. You can just block off a lot of movement paths. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. like putting the the two the two by one blocking on just on the other side of the window at the one end so it's like i can come right up to the window and i've got something blocking there but i'll be able to get rid of it by hulk just walking through it all um so the map honestly i think was like the best part of my team in this matchup um because chris didn't know the map and I know that it tripped him up a couple of times in trying to remember windows versus doors, right? That windows are blocking for movement, but not for line of fire. Doors are blocking for line of fire, not for movement. There were a lot of moments in the game where he kind of had to keep asking. 
Um, so I know that that threw him off a little bit. Um, plus it made him really have to work to get towards me. Uh, I had plenty of time to sort of put my team in the cluster I wanted to, to be able to have Iron Inquisitor and um, Killmonger in the middle to do either masterminding or the rollouts. And um, yeah, like I can't say enough how much that map just saved me so much that game. Um, So he came out, he threw Sicarian Iron Man out. He was hoping he could sort of pick something off early, um, but he was really using Sicarian Iron Man to get rid of the, the blocking. And it, it kind of didn't help him enough. Um, so I actually managed to, on my follow-up turn, kill his Sicarian Iron Man. On, yeah, I on looked over like two. five minutes into the game and there was a Sicarian Iron Man off the board and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I just had the right amount of attacks because I w- was able to get an attack with Hulk. I was able to get Genesis in there in Flurry. Uh, and I even had one other attack in there. I can't even remember what it was. It might've even been the Colossal Retail from Carnage. Like I just managed to have so many attacks on that turn that I got both the objects off of him and, and did damage to him. So uh, that was huge, uh, getting Saki right away like that. Um, and it really became a game of positioning and taking advantage of the, the terrain. Uh, he threw his Surtur across the map and Surtur ended up not being successful. Um, the game, I'll be honest, gets much blurrier for me after this because I was just so like, oh my God, what's happening? Here comes Carnage Silver Surfer. And uh, definitely I was doing a lot of juggling of the order of swapping and who had to do what. And okay, this person has to go through the wall to do this. So yeah, I was definitely starting to get a bit um, uh, overwhelmed with all the stuff that I had to do with my team. Um, we only managed to get uh, three full turns and Chris was starting his fourth turn when time went. Uh, so it wasn't a super long game and not a ton of points were scored. Um, but I will say that, that one of the highlights was when he had Carnage Silver Surfer come out to kill my Carnage Colossal and chose to do a close attack and I was able to parry. Yes. Oh, I love it. Because no one thinks about that. No one is yep. looking at Carnage as being able to parry, but he's still an X-Men. He's still a Racco. That blade. It's the most amazing thing to have this super easy to hit 10-point figure just go, parry! So, uh, yeah. yeah that's I, I, I was, yeah, I managed to hurt his Carnage Silver Surfer. I got him down to like I think one click left. He only had like a 10 attack, but I couldn't finish him off. I I had finished him off and we realized that actually taken one more action than I should have. Of course, big, yeah. big shock there. So I had to take that back. But uh, I mean, it was a good game. Chris is a really great player. Um, yeah, it was a really positional game. Yeah, and that was it. The map, the, the funneling him through the building and him constantly having to sort of figure out the, like he got Frogman all the way around the backside and, and still it just kind of wasn't enough. Like he, he really had to work at it and the map really slowed him up. So, uh, you know, once again, it, it feels a lot like theme building might not be as valuable to some people, uh, right? Cause we took away theme prob and all this kind of stuff, but 
man, picking picking your home field advantage is huge. I mean, I if mean, you're not losing much, it's really good, right? Like, you know, what what are you putting on this team that isn't an X man? Well, exactly, right? I mean, I and and the funniest thing is it, uh, with the um, the previews from Notorious, I the only change I would make is I'd actually probably drop Carnage. I drop the Tesseract and I throw a warrior of Quar mm-hmm. on there because I don't have a ring bear. Whoa, here's a ring bear. Wait a minute. Yeah, now you have X-Men? access to barrier. Now you have, Stop. you know, your Hulk can carry this ring bearer across the map yep. when he goes and it, yep. you can get an extra attack in like, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. It, it's crazy. So yeah. Um, Crazy whirlwind game. Uh, definitely, there were lots of moments of of luck and things. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, but it was a great day, a lot of fun, crazy matches. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was uh, Ontario Provincials. It was a great tournament. Um, it was awesome to have some new faces in in Canada and. Uh, to uh to get to play some hero clicks um and and, th- and thanks again to uh, uh game time collectibles yeah for doing the work hosting like literally out. last minute like finding yep. it and he, yeah he worked for that thank you to jason collins who came out and ran the win and made sure people knew who to play against thanks to jay solomon who came out and judged because Absolutely. none of us would have known what was going on so play and judge uh yeah i mean the, the the only slightly unfortunate part for us was that we got the uh avengers forever prizing instead of the batman uh team up. i know we would have liked the rings a little oh, more than yeah <laughs> a little more than what we got but you know it wasn't terrible i ended up with like a miss kang and uh uh ant-man prime and they're like good figures so you know it's fine but yeah i mean a full set of rings and uh, constructs is obviously better <laughs> yeah i mean um, i can't be upset about an arachnite i mean <laughs> yep so you can play your yeah. double arachnite team eventually yeah. uh all right um yeah so our second topic for this podcast is uh spider-man prime um jackson you have played a lot of this figure and you have won almost every game um yeah Tell us about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Spider-Man Prime is a figure that when I first saw him, I was immediately in love. I'm a very big uh, Venom fan, very big Symbiote fan. He's thematically exactly kind of what I wanted. And I looked at him, and I knew I could make him work some way, but I didn't know exactly what to do with him. So I was testing for a while doing various symbiote teams with Carnage Surfers. Uh, and I was playing a lot, and I was talking to some friends, and I uh, realized, like, okay, what if I just get rid of the free symbiote he gets and just go full aggressive? aggressive. So um, I started giving him All Black the Necro Sword. Uh, then the MOE chases came out, and the team just kind of fell together after that. Uh, so I'll quickly run through... My whole team. Um, so it's, yeah, Prime Spider-Man, 80 points with All Black the Necrosword. Uh, Sakarian Iron Man with Cloak Levitation, because, I mean, obviously. Uh, Venom Magneto with a Darkhold equipped for an extra utility skill with 8 range is always very useful. 
Um, Iron Inquisitor, as the enemy chase I like to start with, uh, mainly for the perplex. It's very good for alpha striking. Uh, Mephisto, and then a Commissioner. Um, for my sideline, I have four MOE chases. Um, I've been pretty lucky to pull most of them, so I'm able to play that. Uh, sideline, I have King Killmonger, Doom Supreme, Ghost Goblin, and Dark Phoenix. Um, for non-MOE stuff, I have War Machine and Scrappy-Doo. For and Scrappy-Doo for just Commissioner, or is there something and else? And Iron Man. Uh, he is also a celebrity, so... Ah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Comes out for both. Um, War Machine comes out for Sakarian and Inquisitor, if they're yep. hit, so... Yeah, I love War Machine on those sidelines. If you have both yeah. of them, why not? And Iron yeah. Inquisitor specifically gets hit a lot, right? Like, yeah, that's, exactly. that's the thing that the figure does. <laughs> it's a great deterrent. Um, but yeah, King Killmonger's there for, you know, just being really good. Uh, Doom Supreme... I really like as a swappable option. I play, uh, I'll get into my full terror deck in a minute, but I play the three of swords, which is pulse, pulse wave, wave does two damage. Yeah. That's so messed up. Um, that plus Saki is already just really good, but yeah, there exactly. have been turns where, um, if I'm really lucky, I've been able to force blast pulse wave with Saki, then TK him out, TK in doom. And do it again for, pulse wave. <laughs> yeah, and then basically basically six damage pulse wave an entire team. Yeah, which that's is, messed up. Yeah, it's it's really rude when it works. I've been trying to build a bunch of teams that do something similar to that, but yeah. uh, I'd forgotten that Doom Supreme just had Force Blast Pulse Wave. It's very good. I mean, it's hard um, to get him over there early. Yeah, that's the biggest downside. That's if I didn't have Venom Magneto, I probably wouldn't be playing him. Um, his his other power does help a bit being able to like if your opponent is spamming i wait perplex prob you can just kind of say like okay well now i'm just untokened for the entire next turn ready to yeah, go at healing. you <laughs> yeah or heal whatever's really needed um ghost goblin is there as just an extra offensive option uh, i mean energy exploding an entire team yeah, he has such good damages. potential yeah. offensively I, i'm swapping into him not that often but when i do it's almost always effective so it's a yeah. really good extra option and Dark Phoenix uh, is literally only there because she has support, and I just like to be able to heal Spider-Man occasionally. Yeah, it's uh, amusingly occasionally relevant. Yeah, I don't really need anything else on the sideline currently, um, so that's that's working pretty well. Uh, for uh, maps... Sorry, just one thing back to uh, choices on main force. Um, obviously, there's a ton of good stuff around 25 points. Why Commissioner specifically? So Commissioner gives me uh, yet another, obviously, he's so many support powers. He's outwit, leadership, prob. Um, but something that I've been kind of testing is making Rookie turn one and just running him out to the middle of the map and seeing what my opponent does. Um, a just lot of it's people over. Basically, a, a lot of times people will kind of go for it and then it's like okay well now i'm just if we're on a bit small or a big map i can now get all of my attackers over to you or you're essentially sacrificing something for a zero point bystander which i'm okay with obviously you're losing really good support options and uh really good damage i mean rookie's amazing but it's it's a really good backup and it's also nice to have Prob through most lines of fire with him being a giant. Yeah, that is um, for sure. And yeah, it's just it's a lot of really good utility. I'm 
he's probably if something new and interesting comes out probably the first thing i take off but he's been he's been real helpful and i guess the other obvious question is carrying iron man versus carnage surfer so so i know you've played a lot of carnage surfer so i know it's a figure you you know don't dislike or anything (laughs) i've i've had a couple different iterations of this i originally had sky tyrant because it works well with emily chases i have the dark phoenix he can make another attack but i'm already using the necro sword on spidey so i could leave him unequipped for king killmonger that's fine but he kind of just dies a lot and i kind of wanted something with a little more staying power um carnage surfer was another obvious choice really hard to kill uh, combo's amazing with uh, Spider-Man Prime. Um, Spider-Man, when he gets going, can basically get Surfer to click one on turn two almost every game. Uh, it's If you're really going for it, it just works out. Um, but the main problem I kept running into was people outwitting Spider-Man's speed power and then just leaving him alone. Um, and a lot of times I would be getting outwitted by something with cosmic energy, so I can't just re-outwit it with one of mine. So the main reason I have Saki, other than he's just a very good offensive piece, is... Pulse wave to it, reset durations. Exactly. I If you outwit my speed power oh. and my Saki's alive, I am 100% taking pulse wave. I don't even care if I'm not damaging you and I'm just activating it with your power. I'm getting my speed power back because it's that needed. Yeah. Um, cool. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I knew all of this was really well thought out. You've played a lot of this team, but uh, yeah. was curious on exact reasoning. Um, right. I have two big maps and a small map. Uh, construction site as a small map. The, it's a map literally made for the wall crawler trait, which is just so... <laughs> yeah. It, it's so busted on small maps. I can essentially, with only free actions, get to any square on the map. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, for objects, uh, I'm only playing one standard object for Sakarian, which is a pretty big weakness, so I'm only going to have four during game setup. So he can be kind of manipulated if my opponent goes for the objects, but if they kind of do that, it's eh, it's it's going to happen. Uh, it's a risk I'm taking, but it nor- it's never really come up to be that detrimental. Um, and then I'm playing the shipping container, which is the uh, 3x2 elevated. This is amazing for Spidey, for a wall crawler. Uh, you just kind of plop it in the middle of the map, and it's essentially a free extra TK that he gets to do to himself. Um, it's also very helpful with his super strength to pick up and smack something for six damage. Um, it's occasionally, I haven't done this often, but if you can run up to your opponent, drop it underneath them, and then pick it back up at the same turn with Spider Man. To yeah. essentially ping a whole team. And Iron Man can do it too, right? With hypersonic yeah. and sidestep and super strength. Correct. I can actually... I think I can drop it and pick it up under you three times in a turn if needed. Um, if there's, like, some reason I can't Including damage the, you. Including the, like, Venom Magneto free yeah, TK? Ven- yeah, because yeah, it's... You can move twice with hypersonic with Saki super strength, plus sidestep, plus Spidey moving, sidestepping, and yeah. then crime fighting moving. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you can do a lot. Um, and then I have the a very underused object I say right now, which is the one square of elevated. It's just the ladder. Uh, it's a single square. This is useful for a variety of reasons. It's a secondary placement for a wall crawler. So if my opponent wants to interact with it, they have to spend most of their actions destroying the terrain. 
are picking it up. Um, but a very neat trick that was shown to me that I've been using ever since to pretty massive effect is if you pick up a the one by one or pretty much any elevated if you position it right uh, with anyone with super strength, Spidey being a really good example, and your opponent has an Iron Inquisitor or a King Killmonger, you can drop it on their square to make them be on elevated terrain so they're no longer adjacent to anybody. So there were multiple times in games where I've had Spider-Man just drop an elevated on King Killmonger and then just kill everything surrounding him that is no longer adjacent. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insanely effective. It's not really that well known right now, so it yeah. almost always catches my opponent off guard. They normally think they have a pretty decent chance of living through Killmonger. But when you think just they have to think they can like put the Killmonger yeah. in front and everything else around behind instead exactly. of like, put him up against the side of a map or something. And then when I drop that on them and then they realize, oh, now Spider-Man can just make all of his attacks and have actual no downside to stop it. Uh, with Necro Sword, there's really no way for him to miss. Um, I have a multitude of perplexes, so Spider-Man's almost always a 14 attack with Inquisitor's prob. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I'll, I'll quickly go over my uh, tarot deck. I actually play six tarot cards. Um, I play two major arcana. I am playing the high priestess and the star. Uh, the star is kind of a given, almost every team's playing it. It's yeah. incredibly massive in so many ways. Uh, having Spidey randomly crit hit or other things just pr gets so much more offense, obviously. Uh, and it's I'm not too worried about it against me. I will, can obviously be crit, so I don't get my senses. But if they don't crit me, my senses is now a one, four, five, six. So it's yeah. In my game against Emily, where I, when I spent a couple turns trying to kill Apocalypse once I barriered him in, there was one turn where Star came up and she rolled like four ones in a row for her rollouts, and I was just like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Why Star um, up this turn? <laughs> That plus High Priestess, same thing, uh, just giving me another out for rollouts. Uh, Spidey having um, a defense power of senses, Imperv, Protected Outwit. Uh, it leads to a lot of scenarios where I am perfectly fine leaving him in front of my opponent's team because they are going to spend every action trying to kill him, and about 70% of the time, they don't. So... Just Yeah, if you don't have a Cosmo or a Scarlet Witch around, he's surprisingly difficult to kill. He is very difficult to kill. Um, yeah, I play, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, three of swords, the pulse waves does deal damage. Uh, Queen of Wands for another manipulation for dice. Um, I've had actually a few scenarios in games where my opponent will have Queen of Wands with star active, and then I'll have the other. So I succeed on anything but a two for my rollouts most of the time, uh, which... Is a really pretty big deterrent against attacking Spider-Man. Five uh, out of six is a pretty good chance. It's, it's pretty an okay pretty one. decent chance. <laughs> um, I play Eight of Cups, which is willpower plus one. Uh, useful for Saki, but it's mainly just because there's really nothing in Cups that. Yeah, and that's the me. reason to play six, right? Like, yeah. um, I mean, like obviously both Star and High Priestess are good, but uh, if you could play just five, dropping the Eight of Cups, you would do it. So yeah. this is stuff from my tarot card guide when I originally wrote it, which is that, like, at the point that you're adding another card to your deck that is a good card that you want, and you have a card in your deck that's a blank, then yeah. 
that is a positive that is a net positive for you and again like so in my guide i use good card versus not good card and obviously there is varying degrees of good card like not every good card is the same amount of good um so it entirely depends on specific context and it's not as easy to figure out as that like you know if if it's really important to your team that you flip the three of swords as frequently as possible which it isn't to your specific team but if you're playing a team where it is then you don't want to play six even if you have a few blanks because you want to flip the three of swords as frequently as possible but on this specific team where you have without the sixth card you have four cards that are very good for you and one that's a card (laughs) exactly it's it 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 does help you know occasionally getting saki off that uh that click but um for the most part it's a blank i'm a very big believer of i want my tarot's to be as one-sided as possible now a lot of these aren't but they benefit me an equal amount to where i accept the risk but yeah having one like eight of cups is a a pretty good blank and that also leads me to my last one which is my pentacles uh i was really considering you know plus two charge or the flurry one. Those both are very good for Spider-Man and Saki. Um, But I kind of realized that I just make enough attacks already. I can get where I need to get already. I don't need to give my opponent an extra potential attack or an extra potential way to get to my back line. Um, And I have a decent amount of stealth on the team. Um, So I'm using the Page of Pentacles, which is uh, characters cannot use improved targeting abilities. And if you have stealth, you can free place your stealth in a square of hindering train within six squares. This is one of Mike's favorite cards, too. <laughs> oh, a, yeah, it's my favorite. It's an amazing card. I, I originally put it on the team when Spider-Man was getting the uh, Black Symbiote for stealth. Um, but even after I took it off, I realized that I'm still playing Inquisitor, Commissioner, and Rookie to where that's a good enough effect for them to just... Yeah, it just removes all your support powers, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and it also gets rid of improved targeting abilities, so... Uh, my opponents will not be able to, you know, I they can't get my stealth characters. I'm getting hindering bonus. Uh, Carnage Surface might not be able to shoot me through the elevated ice drop in front of my team now. Um, but an, And there have actually been a few times where I couldn't normally get to a square, but the card pops up and Saki takes like pulse wave stealth to just voop over into a team yeah. and get out. Or I pick like flurry stealth to get out of there after. Uh, it's a pretty um good deterrent uh yeah the fact that it allows you to do it after you take your action rather than before means that it can just yep. be better than running shot in a lot of situations it definitely can or and, whatever. and obviously having the protection of uh self but um another pretty big bonus is it removes improved targeting abilities which i uh, originally thought that that hinders uh rookies sight until I took a closer look at the uh, powers and abilities card and realized that great size just says you see over elevated and outdoor blocking. You don't have improved targeting <laughs> elevated and outdoor blocking. So it's like, oh, I can just still do it. Yeah, that as WizKids has discovered a few times, improved targeting outdoor blocking is not a real improved targeting. No. Um, the This is the card that I am still contemplating switching because I did run into a scenario that has only happened once in my about 30 games, but it was annoying when it happened to where the card came up and I was pulse waving with Sakarian and realized, oh, I don't get improved targeting characters for my pulse wave. <laughs> so, okay, I need to keep wow. that in mind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. wild. 
yeah l- luckily in that game i was able to just sidestep onto elevated and do it anyway sure. but uh yeah um yeah so you've played this in like four brad events and california states right like yeah i and you've lost like one total game between those or something I've like lost that one game in brad's and i lost three games in states i came okay. in second dates yeah yeah i knew that i just didn't know if you'd lost any in swiss uh yeah i was three and two going into okay okay so uh obviously you can't talk about those like 25 games but any particularly interesting ones that taught you something specific that you want to talk about uh yeah so the main thing about spidey with a necrosword is um the main reason he can deal so much damage i haven't really gone into detail about him so i'll do that now um his trait allows him that if he has two action tokens, I can give him any costed action as a free action. And if I do, he takes an unavoidable after as kind of like a deterrent. Um, so if I go first or if my opponent, yeah, if my opponent picks map and I'm going first or if I just choose to go first, no matter what, I am just moving in place in my starting area. I'm giving him a token to just send him out next turn to do whatever I want and then have access to that trait. Um, what makes Spider-Man such a just team-destroying missile most of the time um, that kind of took a while for my opponents to kind of realize just how deadly he is, is if you combo him with all the perplexes I have from himself, Sicarian, Venomagneto, and Inquisitor, I'm getting most of this time his defense to a 19 and his attack to a 14, giving him prob with Inquisitor. Um, you can double TK him out sidestep wall crawler charge to get to the back end of a map you'll end in square 22 with giant reach you get to 24 so it's full map reach on most maps um add in the super strength he gets to pick up any barrier markers that he might uh have blocking if it's an outdoor map um his traded leap climb lets him run over opponent's barrier just grab one in the middle and start swinging uh that's awesome it it can it's I've had games where I've had opponents spend about 10 minutes setting up their barrier, and then in 10 seconds, I just walk through it and kill what I wanted to kill anyway. Super strength is so good now, and uh, leap climb surprisingly useful power when it's not your only power. It's, it's by far the most unexpected power that's great with him. Um, another great reason for it is it gets him knockback. Um, so his his top dial, he's a 10, 11, 18, 4. Speed power of charge, floor sidestep, and then his defense of uh, senses impervious. That's a protected outwit. So a lot of times I'm, if my opponent has moved up or I'm on a small map, um, I'm moving out and I will try my best to double TK wall crawler sidestep to then be able to costed action flurry. Because yeah, you fl- so you can do that if again. If you flurry as a costed action, you can then as a free action activate charge flurry or give yourself a close to use flurry to make four attacks in a turn. Yeah. Um, and four attacks with a 14 for four with no senses or shape change is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> understatement. <laughs> a very big understatement. Uh, another big part of Spider-Man is he has four range, two targets. I don't use his range that often, but the two targets is massive. Uh, and the super strength... Up, knocking them both back, you can... Yeah, the super strength yeah. adding knockback lets me ramp up damage significantly to where each attack against a solo opponent is dealing five. And another big deal with the Necrosword is this was, we kind of knew this already worked this way because the wording and it was confirmed recently on the win, but 
with All Black the Necrosword, if you deal knockback damage, it's still during a close attack, provided you're making close attack. Um, so the Necrosword says during close attacks, they can't reduce damage below one. So you can't reduce knockback damage from the Necrosword. Yeah, so, which is wild. Like if it, so it makes it so that things happen like, oh, your Scarlet Witch didn't rune? Uh, yeah, I attack I, it I, once. I one-shot her. Yeah, I one-shot Scarlet <laughs> Witch. I one-shot World's Finest. I one-shot Carnage Surfer with an object. Uh, it's vi- people not realizing how much damage I can do has led to a Just very high words. number of turn two concedes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so a lot of times when I go over um, prioritizing targets, uh, I can dual target, like, deal three to something one to another knock them back uh for example i can like kill a chip plus a venom magneto in one attack then the next attack i can kill a scarab and then deals two damage to something else and then i can crime fighting to make more attacks to clean up anything else uh a lot of double carnage surfers team uh teams i just kill both carnage surfers and then kill something else along with them to where they're just stuck with very little offense and a Spider-Man in their starting area. Um, and yeah, that's that's this, the main strategy of the team. And then the last thing I'll mention is the big support we got with the MOE chases, which is the main reason why they're there. Uh, Mephisto, we all know how broken he is, but he has a trait that uh, when another character leaves a sideline, you can heal a click on a friendly character or take a token off them. And if the character that left a sideline is Masters of Evil, you can do both. So a lot of times what I'll do is at the end of my turn, after I've charged into Spider-Man or and I've crime fighting, I take a damage from my trait and I'm double tokened until I swap Iron Inquisitor into King Killmonger or whatever else I might need. And then he's back on top click. He flexes up his defense to a 19, takes a token off, and is ready to make four attacks again the next turn. Yeah, so keep and that that's... forever, and you're never not making four attacks a turn with Spider-Man. It's literally every turn. <laughs> literally every turn. It's wild. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous synergy. And like none of the so people talk about synergies a lot, where like some of the figures are bad. None of these figures are bad. All of these figures are incredible. So yeah. the fact that they work together this well as well is wild. And like, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man's pretty good when he gets to do his thing once every couple turns. When he gets to do it every turn, if they don't yeah. kill it after the first turn they just lose the game like exactly they can't play anymore they don't get to play <laughs> the, the first thing i do is if they have a necro sword i kill whatever's holding that and then if they ever can make a rune marker i try to kill that and then i'm pretty much golden yep. to just say you'll miss through my rollouts and they most of the time don't and he dies but a lot of times it works um, how much um parry have you faced a pretty decent amount um i'll get into it a, into a bit but california states the the local meta is very heavy mystics to where almost every single team i faced was either death metal wonder woman and or apocalypse um which is kind of the only counter to spider-man is mystics um yeah. and then if you add the survivability wonder woman gives he there were situations i had which caused me to was was a big reason I lost in the finals was Spider-Man dealt himself about four to five damage just attacking. Yeah. Because you're you're making so many attacks, you're triggering Mystics over and over, and then you're dealing yourself damage after, so you can only do so much. Um, but it's a very good synergy, uh, regardless without that. Um, but yeah, Perry, 
It has come into effect decent amount. Luckily, he does have a printed four on top dial, so it's a normal rollout most of the time. But that is definitely the pretty much best defense option, I would say, against Spider-Man is parry, because Killmonger, I can deal with him with uh, the terrain markers, or if I need be, can knock him around with Saki with Force Blast um, or uh, Doom. But, yeah, Perry is very, very good against me. Yeah, I mean, Mike knows that feeling from having played his Spider-Man team against Emily a bunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he yeah. didn't have, you didn't have Necrosword, so it was like four rollouts against everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I was going a different route using the, the symbiote instead of all black. Yeah. Um. Did I have other specific? Yeah, so um, one other specific matchup that I'm almost certain you haven't played much, but I think is an interesting thing to discuss. Merlin. Um, Oh, yeah. Spider-Man uses a lot of free actions. I'm pretty sure I'm screwed against a Merlin. Um, My main way of crossing the map is... You have a free TK, you have a sidestep, you have a free placement. That's three of your four free actions. Exactly. On top of that, I have a multitude of perplexes I want to use. I maybe want to sidestep that. My main plan against that is uh, I probably use uh, pick TK with Saki, double power TK with him and Magneto. I will use... I haven't faced this yet, so I don't know how effective this is. My plan is to use Inquisitor's Perplex just to give the prob and make him a 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then use the rest of my free actions to sidestep Wallcrawler. And even if I don't get to make an attack, even if I just have to walk over there, picking up whatever super strength, and then crime fighting to attack, I will do that just to kill Merlin. Is the crime fighting one or two free actions? It's one free action. Okay. Uh, oh, no, was... it's two, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's almost yeah. exactly like colossal stamina, but it's a free action. Yeah, it's a free action that lets me give a cost. Yeah, that's what I free. thought. Yeah, so you can't really crime fighting against Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it, it, you have to use nothing else. True. Yeah, it's it's very risky. It's basically then like, okay, I'll have two attacks, eleven on seventeen. Hope I can make it. Yeah. So like last year, I thought Merlin was pretty bad um, because it was only good in specific matchups and it wasn't swappable. This year, Merlin might be good. <laughs> That's what I've been kind of thinking is like last year he was kind of the joke of like, okay, someone might try it as like a meme team. But now it's like, no, Merlin plus like Sinisters and Saturnines, it's it gets to a point where you really can't do much. You're just being controlled so much that unless you get some lucky hits with like a rookie or a Saki or something on that Merlin, you're very limited. So the the team that I built earlier today, which I probably can't bring myself to play, uh, includes a Merlin that's holding a time platform and a Scarab. I don't like you, Devin. So, <laughs> yeah, so the Scarab gets to use the time platform and then your Merlin is also nearly unkillable. Like, that just that, seems wild to me right now. That's my most hated interaction in the game is Scarab yeah, plus time I mean, platform. That's fair. I, he's just a danger room construct and I hate it. Yeah, and 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 also a danger room construct that just gets to tell you that your best figure is back in your starting area every turn. Yep. Like, yeah. Like my game against Paul a couple weeks ago was just I move up, he sends my flashback to my starting area. I'm like, oh, 
I can't really get to you. Okay, I have to spend an entire another turn moving up. He's like, all right, uh, your King Killmonger's back in your starting area. I'm like, okay, so I lose. Cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> me, me and Paul did a lot of testing with his team, and we yeah. were we were both pretty surprised with what we could do to each other. I thought that I was gonna be a little bit screwed, but I was uh, on Morlock tunnels um, with all of the actions you could take. I can actually get Spider-Man through his barrier. That's surprising. Um, at the cost of having to use my costed action to move, pick up a terrain, sidestep, drop it, <laughs> crime fighting, charge floor to pick up another terrain. Oh, I love it. With Sakarian hypersonicing, picking up a terrain, using the movement to drop it, and then sidestepping, <laughs> picking up another. I have to do that, either that or I shoot a wall, and I have to do that through a rune marker <laughs> and then run into his modifier and then say, okay, I hope I kill your time platform figure first. Oh, man, that's, yeah, uh, that's quite something. It's, and we were both surprised. It's like, wait, I can get you. And he's like, yeah, you can. But wait, I can just time platform. And I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty decent 50-50. It's still dumb, and I hate it. Yeah. But it, it's, I'm, I was very surprised to learn. And ever since then, I've been kind of applying it to where, Spider-Man really can just get into any square on any map pretty consistently, barring there's a Merc. Yeah, it's true. You just have a lot of ways to move things around on your team. Yeah. You know, as long as there's no Merlin, you're you're, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Um, Yeah, so Spider-Man obviously has won a lot of tournaments at this point. Um, He is... So I think when you started playing Spider-Man, he was, like, seen as the underdog figure a little bit. Yeah, Um, he was... No one was really playing him, and then I, I kind of just kept doing it, and I'm like, why is no one playing this? And the answer is, now they are. <laughs> yeah, the answer yeah. is like... Well, we always agreed that he was, like, pretty much there. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was... Like, I think everyone... I mean, I wanted it to happen for sure. I think it was knowing how the Necrosword interaction with Knockback works that really took I him think to the next level, honestly. It was, is just him being a prime with how many viable primes there are yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, that's you true. We have Mad Jim being the absolute broken powerhouse he is. We have Destroyer being incredibly underused. We're in a weird world where Destroyer is underplayed right now. That's just confusing to me, but yeah. it's happening. Um, then yeah, we yeah. St- we have other You're right. stuff. Right, though people are looking at other primes. That's yeah, it. It, this looks like a lot. Ooh, eighty points, eighty point prime. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting, right, Mike? Like nobody's playing any eighty point figures at all. Like, Actually, if, if no. a figure is 80 points, it's unplayable. There's nobody yeah. playing a figure that's worth that many points. And it's a prime. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the two figures in modern that gets around World's Finest as trait, which is pretty nice. So well, it's, <laughs> Right, it's that's why though, you that's... could just murder one. You're higher yeah, points. I, I, I just one-shot World's Finest. Yeah, it's funny because I he's actually who I built with to start. I mean, uh, when that set dropped and he came out, I was in love with him to start as well. I mean, with Web Slinger, like, yeah, you get across the map in seconds and all of a sudden you're doing three or four attacks. Great damage. Yeah, great yeah. figure. Love him a lot. I, But I think, like you said, the only reason people haven't been looking at him is because he just feels like so many points when yeah. all these other teams are full of 50 points or less figures. He's definitely a big point commitment, but if uh, your opponent either doesn't have a Necrosword or does and you can KO it, he's hard, He's just incredibly hard to kill to where I had, I've had quite a lot of games where it's just me 
rampaging my opponent and them trying to kill him and they just can't hit him. They just they can't get anything to stick and then it's essentially skip a turn of they did no damage and now it's just Spider Man again. Um he, he's he's a lot of fun paired with Madam Web. Yeah. That was the original team before uh Avengers sixtieth was Madam Web and uh Carnage Surfer instead of Inquisitor and Mephisto, but then mm-hmm. they came out and Mephisto it's makes okay. Spider Man broken, so Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, one more interaction that I did learn from uh, a couple games in states that is actually very useful is uh, when Scrappy Doo comes in on click three, there's nothing that says he can't be healed. So if he comes in next to something and Mephisto swaps, you heal to flurry close combat expert super strength, and Amazing. then can just start smacking. You lose the damage power of Outwit, um, so you just lose Outwit doing that. But then you gain Flurry, which I'm pretty sure is a pretty fair. <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, no, fair. He, he has Close Combat Expert on the other. Yeah, he, he just has it. He has the standard power. He doesn't lose yeah. the thing. So yeah, but he's still he's a 12-3 Flurry knockback, and then you still have your trait. Um, Seems okay. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, this team is wild. Uh, everybody should definitely be prepared to not die to this or uh, or lose a lot. Those are the options. <laughs> Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it, Jackson, or should we do questions? Um, if you're thinking about playing this team, um, the worst interaction, the biggest counters to it are definitely Mystics. Um, it's not a great feeling when you deal yourself so much damage without accomplishing anything. I, I had a game in states uh in swiss where my opponent was playing like an all-in arachnite team with like arachnite at 100 with the necrosword plus like scott porter saturnine uh summoner doctor strange that has the free ping damage trait uh so his, his plan was just send in arachnite to do a bunch of damage i had spider-man double flurry him so i dealt 20 damage to an arachnite and he didn't die because of death battle wonder woman rolling a six <laughs> Uh, and so Spider-Man took five damage, and Arachnite then just killed Spider-Man next turn, because I outwitted his plasticity thinking I based him, forgetting he ignored characters, mm. and ended up losing that game because he killed Spider-Man, then ran away, and I had nothing I could do. I wonder um, how much of an option there is to play those matchups a bit slower so that you can have the Dark Phoenix support after you make those oh, attacks. Um big thing about states is i actually forgot to bring my dark phoenix <laughs> okay that matters card. in those matchups i it, and it did matter because i'm like i could just sit back and support but i i was bringing a figure to borrow to a or to lend to somebody so i was counting figures in my box I'm like okay i have 12 figures and i left and then like an hour <laughs> and a half into the drive i'm like that's at home, isn't it? And then I check my box, and I'm like, yeah, it's not here. Oh, no. And then, like, I was asking around, kind of jokingly, like, hey, does anyone have the most played Chase right now? And actually, <laughs> not using. And everyone was like, hey, no. Okay. Well, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, that makes that strategy a bit more difficult. But uh, it seems like one to think about if you... Because a lot of the teams... If you're playing Death Metal Wonder Woman, your ability to Alpha Strike is like usually pretty significantly worse. Because um, yeah. that figure just isn't good at that. So 
you know, Looking sitting back. back and setting up some pulse waves, and then if they yeah. come in, spider manning and healing up seems like a reasonable strategy there. Looking back, I think the actual best counter to Wonder Woman is just outwitting, outwitting her rollouts, mind-controlling her to waste her trait, because you can do that. Um, I've actually had a couple scenarios in games where I have mind-controlled her to punch a Mystics on last click to just KO her, and then I'll just say, no, I'm not going to bring myself back. Uh, but if you can't really get that off, or in my case... Yeah, I, I mean, that seems a little difficult to set up. Yeah, um, but there are scenarios where it has worked out, but I did forget about that in the finals, and I realized I could have done it and probably won, because my opponent also had a black heart that I could have just smacked with a 12 attack and prob, so uh, probably could have done better, but hey, that's what, that that was that's the whole reason okay. with states, is I was going there for practice, Yeah. Um, placing as high as I did was just a bonus, and I was pretty happy with it. All right, so we have uh, a few questions. Um, one from uh, Giordano. Should I give in and buy two Carnage Silver Surfers now? Uh, do you think they'll go down in price after Worlds, or will a new Silver Bullet come out? Um, and uh, with the pointing out that uh, a lot of the reason for that question is that uh, rotation is happening. Um, Necrosword, which is one of the big counters to Carnage Silver Surfer, is going away. I mean, mm -hmm. definitely, right? Like, we don't know what rotation is, but that's literally the old set it's, modern. It's Spider Man's gone. Yeah. Um, well, second to Fantastic Four. True. Yeah. I always forget that set's still in modern because I haven't seen anybody play a game element out of it in. Uh, well, I was playing it, but then they, they cut sideline to six. So what do you what do you want from me? True, true. <laughs> um, yeah, Morlock is not Morlock. Uh, what's Moloid. the Morlight? Thank you. Morlight is the only game element I've seen played out of it in a long time. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. I mean, the question is basically: Is Silver Surfer going to be one of the best things in the game by a lot after rotation? Uh, assuming that rotation doesn't include Silver Surfer, which, like, I don't know how it would, but, again, we don't officially know anything, so it is theoretically possible. Um, I don't see how it's not just sort of the best thing. My guess for rotation from... This is just kind of a flat-out guess, and it's also a lot of people people are saying. I think everything before Excess Swords is gone... I'd imagine that we're losing Disney Plus, but I also don't think we're going to lose uh, Exa Swords. Um, so yeah, that's the I, question, really. I think I, that's I would, what a lot of people think is the yeah. sort of balance point. Are we losing? I have Exoswords to imagine after Disney Plus getting its third Worlds is enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that set's going away for sure. The question is, do they cut deeper? Because they yeah. delayed specifically so they could, right? Like that was in exactly. the original article. They said, specifically, we are going to make a deeper cut after Worlds. So what do they mean by that? Do they mean uh, up until the new map sizes? <laughs> yeah. Are we going to lose and like then, everything pre-BTU? It's theoretically exactly. possible. Exactly, and then after that, like Surfer hates big maps, but then we're, we're only going to have about four or six in rotation if it is cut they off. They may just ban those, honestly, though. They might. They might They might do like an extended rotation of just those maps, but not like yeah. the figures from those sets. Um, which honestly I'd be fine with. I'm yeah. the sooner we get to smaller maps, the better. I'm playing in states 
the number one thing I was annoyed by all day is I have no table space, so I'm putting my sideline <laughs> on the floor. And I don't like people potentially walking over four of my Masters of Evil chases. Uh, so Fair. that was a little annoying. So when we get smaller maps and we have more room, that's going to be pretty cool. I uh, can't wait to that. But yeah, uh, I think Carnage Surfer, unless something, God forbid, something crazier comes out in Notorious or Wheels... I mean, there it's, is some crazy stuff coming, but not yeah, in that same class. It's probably the best attacker. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see his price going up after Worlds, which is weird. It's wild, because that down. figure's incredibly expensive. Yeah, the price is not going down. If you I don't mean, pull one, you need to sell a kidney. It's kind of crazy. This is it. It's 50 points. Everybody already feels like it's a, a under-costed 50 points. So it is. The the figure's not going to lose its value. Very easy to fit onto a team, even if it's not your linchpin, right? Like, yeah, it, it's such an an additional piece that does so much on its own. Uh, yeah, there's no way it's it's going away anytime soon. So yeah, yeah. if you've got the money, get one. If not, then you better figure out lots of creative ways of uh, nerfing. Carnage Surfer is one of the reasons I think Animals is a lot worse, um, because two attacks at a at a 12 for 4 against Animals just kills a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I mean, then he heals up onto Invincible, like, it's a lot. Just remember, he doesn't ignore stealth. Yep. You know, I mean, there, there are lots of other creative ways of, of funneling what the Carnage Surfer does. I mean, that's one of the things I came up with when we were playtesting against Emily's team was I figured out a way to move my whole team forward on the Fountain of Asgard map and give Carnage Surfer only two targets. And the two targets were Ultra Chase Mephisto and uh, Chase Apop. Which are not really things so, you want to be attacking. <laughs> right? That was it. So it's like, instead of thinking, oh, how do I stop it? Well, how do I steer it? You know, yeah. I think that's the thing that people forget about a lot in Hero Clicks is a lot of times if you manipulate positioning, map choice, all that stuff, and funnel what your opponent is doing towards things you can afford to lose or towards things that, you know, it's the setting them up for stuff. Um, so Carnage Surfer, no one is surprised by what it does anymore. It's not doing anything... Oh, yeah. um, What's right? It's not doing anything uh, complicated, right? It's a pretty straightforward figure. Come out, hit a thing, kill a thing, heal some clicks. Uh, you know, it, yep. it's not nuanced. It's just an extremely powerful thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have like two more questions. Um, Austin asks, is it possible for a no chase, no grand prize piece uh, build to win a major at this point in the meta? Um, I think the closest no. you're going to get is my animals build. Um, other, but I, I have said on this podcast that I don't think it can actually win a tournament. So, <laughs> no, I don't. I, think I, I can build a decent Doom Patrol, I'm sure, without Zaki. I can figure something yeah, out. Yeah but, yeah, but decent and actually winning is a little different, right? <laughs> well, I said it was me, so nobody said I was winning. <laughs> yeah. and to be fair even animals has a scrappy do chase on the sideline and uh required you to have all of the constructs of two colors and uh <laughs> like you know yeah 
And also Maggot is sometimes worth more than a lot of chases. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, kind of the same true. thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is no. Anybody no. else there's too much, answer? There's no. too much good support stuff out there. They've made too many chases, again, that do a lot of fun things yeah. for 30 points, 35 points. Like, no, it's just the nature of things now. Yeah, like my, my team is five chases and a rare prime. Like, it's, it's kind of... <laughs> It's, it's kind of crazy. Not even yep, counting the sideline, which is six, five more chases. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it is. Game is a little chase, chase heavy. Uh, but yeah, it's oh yeah, very expensive for a friend. All right, which is the better bonus rollout, Grand Prize Apoc or King Killmonger? If more people start dropping terrain on Killmonger Apoc, I'd say. But in terms of just yeah, map wise, there's is pretty big. Yeah, if the, if there is no way to get around Killmonger, then it's it's Killmonger. Only melee matters, but like it's so melee focused right now that it matters less than it. Yeah. Should. Killmonger being for everything is very good, and also gets through pulse wave. So I think I think the answer is Killmonger. Yeah, the pulse wave is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Dan Smith asking Mike, did knowing that you weren't going to be able to make nationals probably this year uh, make you push that much harder at provincials? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we knew it. Like, I, I thought I'd be able to do it all and was pretty heartbroken by the fact that I won't be able to do nationals. Um, and I definitely knew I couldn't do worlds. So it was like, okay, this is it. This is the only big event this year. So, yeah, I th it, it, it made me sad because I really liked that other Spider-Man team. I would have really loved to see how it did, especially with a couple of tweaks, especially with the, that uh, mystery card. Mm, yeah. Might have, you know, yeah. who knows? Who knows how much that would have helped because that could have been a way to get rid of the parry that kept uh, stymieing yeah. me in my games with Emily. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, when you only got one chance and this is uh, the only, and, and we also know there's that big retirement coming after Worlds. So uh, I can see a lot of this team not quite being the same, maybe. Well, it might actually, it might survive a lot of retirement. Yeah, a lot of it should survive. But, but, some losing of it the but yeah, it would have been nice to be able to play the like team that you thought was slightly worse, but were more interested in playing at the lower stakes tournament and then play the other team at, at the higher stakes one right exactly exactly that's kind of what you want to do is build up to those things and, and find enjoyment and it, it is there's something that we were talking about earlier there's something about building a team that feels more like your own team yeah like you weren't influenced by other people you weren't influenced by the meta you were like i like this figure or i like this combo i want to build this i want to play this and you enjoy piloting you yeah, know, having fun while you're playing your tournament games matters. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that'll be it for today. Uh, thanks for being on, everyone. Thanks for coming on and, and uh, talking about Provincials, Mike. Thanks for all of your insight into Spider-Man Prime, Jackson. <laughs> you are probably the person who's played, you know, pretty close to the most games of it. So it's good to I, I think so, yeah. From you. Um, all right. Before we go, I want to thank our patrons whose support helps us bring this to you uh, without paying out of pocket to do so. Um, go to JSA Clicks uh, on Patreon to join and uh, join at the $1 tier. 
and just help us continue not having to pay out of pocket for this. Um, we have some affiliate links in the description. We have all the usual social media. It's mostly extremely inactive, but it theoretically exists. And uh, we have some show affiliates. We have Raina Adams, Happy Little Hero Clicks with uh, her own YouTube channel and her own Patreon. We have Aries with Dish Up Clicks uh, and uh, a podcast with Joe at, the, at this point. Uh, all good content. Um, and have you heard of ClicksNexus.com? Thank you so much for listening. We hope you make sure to have fun the next time you play Hero Clicks, whether it's competitive or casual.